0: Yes, it's me, Mark Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. I'm here at Longstone Tyres with Dougal Coley. I It's safe to say, I think, that Dougal is one of Motorsports and Motorings characters. and it's it, These are the sort of guys I enjoy meeting. I met Dougal a while ago down at Mallory Park at the Vintage Sports Car Club meeting because Dougal is the man behind the famous... Longstone Tyres. Uh, Doodle, welcome to the Backseat
1: Driver Radio Show. Hi there, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm a purveyor of unusual rubber equipment for a gentleman to pleasure himself with at the weekend. Yes, <laughs> I
0: mean what what better slogan can you come up with than that? Anybody who drives a veteran car, a vintage car or a classic car will know of Longstone Tyres because you're the only company that supplies the correct tyres for, as I said, veteran, vintage, classic and you now also do classic four-wheel drive tyres which is never before known really. How did all this come about?
1: Well, I'm not sure that we're the only company does it but we you know, We're certainly are. the most famous. We certainly are the best, obviously. <laughs> uh, and I up. Uh, well, I don't know, I've always been into daft old cars um, starting off with going to VSCC race meetings with my dad and my uncle when I was a kid and uh, I suppose running... Running cars in a in a term that we call bangonomics, which is just cheap old bangers, something yeah. to run around with, and, and the interest yeah, you run, run it till it expires, then go and buy another one, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> that, that was the thing. So I was uh, running a business as a, a, a tree surgeon and uh, using a Mark two, Mark five Cortina, a two litre Pinto engine, um, and that's that's the car I used to use all the time and. Uh, And I popped it on a meeting every now and again, and a chap called Mike Hurst that used to run on tyres had simply put an A4 piece of paper stuck on the front of his tent, um, just sort of advertising his business for sale, Mm. because, you know, he was getting on a bit and he wanted to retire. So I worked with him for for that summer, Mm. because it was at April Silverstone I met him, Uh, and I worked with him for that summer and and learnt my trade. Mm. Um, And then next thing we know, I sort of took the business on, on from him, Back in 1999, it was October 1999, and uh, and then I'm not really looking back from then because what's lovely about what I do is you know I other than the sort of business running and things like that side of things, I spend most of my time on the telephone talking to people who've got similar interests to me, and they ring up and they want to talk about their tyres for their cars, but it doesn't just stop there. We end up bantering about all sorts of rubbish old stuff and discussing <laughs> you know cars that we've got an interest in that probably should have been waded and scrapped 20 <laughs> years ago but, but the fact is that we love them and that's it's the passion side of it that that makes it so much fun and i'm talking to people about things that they love and they enjoy and that i also love and enjoy so you know it's, it's and an at the end of the conversation place. you're selling four tires but <laughs> occasionally you know <laughs> occasionally they bring up and, you know, I end up telling them what's to buy a new tires once we've got perfectly fine. But uh, but no, often often we do we do um, end up getting their credit card details, which of course is the actual <laughs> principle of things in the first place. But um, we we always try to encourage people to buy what we know to be the best tire for their car. It, it doesn't always work out like that. And sometimes people uh, people's purchase of tires is driven by cost. Which is not really the right way to choose your tyres, but we understand it. Yeah. Uh, so you know we offer people original equipment tyres, or period upgrade tyres, or simply something to keep the rims off the road. Yeah. But you know <laughs> we will be honest with you, and if you want to buy white wall tyres for a British sports car, you will have to undergo several layers of insults and slam them <laughs> before I'll actually stoop to taking your credit card details off you and flogging your white wall. But really, when it boils down to it. Put a proper tyre in your car and you'll enjoy driving it more. They last for a while. You'll enjoy the tyre long after you've forgotten the credit card. (laughs) So, you know, buy the good stuff and and, and use your car the way it should be used. And, and, you know, they do make a big difference. Where does the name Longstone come from? Well, uh, Mike Hurst, the fine old chap that I took the business over from, back in 1999, (laughs) uh, used to run the business out of a village called Great Longstone in Derbyshire. Right. So you you moved it to Bortree in Yorkshire? Yeah, we yeah we we'd upgrade the glamour of the place. Moving <laughs> uh, near Doncaster into the sun-kissed climbs of the Yorkshire Riviera. Do you think it's had any benefit uh, to the business moving <laughs> yeah. into the Uh I guess accessibility's quite good, because we're three miles from day A1. Yeah. You know, the road you got stuck here on the way here. Yes, yeah, so it was an entertaining <laughs> drive here. <laughs> so Donny's quite well known for its, its communications, really. The m not very far away. A one's not very really far away, so you know people can get here. They can, you know, they can come via the idle, yeah, or you know, train if they want to. Well, but, <laughs> but but no, no. So we're, we're relatively accessible in Bawtry. We've got a decent yard and we've got plenty of space to yeah. store tyres. So we, we've got a lot of tyres in here, and, and and we try to sell. We don't sell all of the tyres for classic cars, but we sell all the best ones, and we yeah. keep a large stock of them. And more often than not, if you're after something, we'll, we'll probably have it on the shelf. Yeah. And, and if you actually come to see us, then we'll be able to show you the tires that you're interested in buying them and, and show you the alternatives. and you can, you can get your hands on them and see if it really is what you're after rather than you know you just come and buy what we tell you to. Yeah. There, are, <laughs> there are choices there are choices, and we like to be able to show people the
0: difference while here I mean the thing is a lot of the tyres to, to look at especially the tyres for the vintage cars look as they did when the cars were shall we say p- current cars I conclude the technology of the tyre has moved on it might look like it did but it has moved on it's, uh, it's newer compounds and everything else
1: well so technology within the tyre has moved on some of it's beneficial to us with classic car tyres so build quarter these days is, is far better and the, the quality control systems that factories have in place to make sure nothing faulty ever leaves the shed mm. so you just don't see as many Tire blowouts on the, on the side of the motorway as you used to do. Yeah. And, and, of course and I of can't believe punctures because the
0: one thing is anybody who watches Creatures Great and Small, the proper one with Christopher Timothy, one of the main complaints was we've got another flat tyre. And uh, it, back in back in those
1: vintage days, uh, tyres popping wasn't an unusual thing, was it? Uh, well, but uh, you see, it's all down to driver skill because you've just <laughs> got to swerve around those nails. <laughs> Keep around where you're driving. So, yeah, on that, on that front, so when you're when you, in olden days, when you were driving on loose surface roads all the time, mm. you'd run at a lower tyre pressure to protect your car, absorb the shocks of the road a bit more. And, and the knock-on effect of that is that it nibbled nibbled at your inner tubes and you, you suffered more punctures. Yeah. So, you know, the the, the the inner tubes aren't in modern cars, but if you're running wire wheels, you need inner tubes. Mm. They do make tubeless wire wheels these days, but put an inner tube in anyway. Yeah, put an inner tube anyway. And if you've got a tyre that's a full profile tyre, cross-ply tyre or a 70 profile tyre, you can always put an inner tube in it. Yeah. Um, but if you've got a lower than 70 profile tyre, you're not supposed to put an inner tube in it. However, if you're running a lower than 70 profile tyre on a wire wheel, mm. you're running the wrong technology and it will not handle as well, which brings us on to the other side of the modern technology in tyres. So tyres these days, are sort of better because they have a bigger, wider footprint in relation to the, to the actual tyre, mm. um, which which gives you more grip, sort of, but it only gives you more grip if you have a chassis of your car that will actually present that footprint to the road in the proper manner. Yeah. So this, I don't know how else well it's going to come out on radio, but a banal car, the wheel of the car would stay parallel to the side of your car. Yeah. So as the car rolled under cornering forces, so would the wheel. So the the, the point of the tyre that was in contact with the road would roll around the shoulder of the tyre. So if you look at classic car tyres, they've got more rounded shoulders to them instead of a, a more sharper corners to them because just um, modern
0: tyres now especially the low profile rubber bands have the most some of them like you look at Lamborghinis and things like that they have the most obscure sidewalls where the actual rim
1: sticks out beyond the sidewall yeah but if you start fitting these square tyres on a classic car as the car rolls it will grip to a certain extent and then it'll as the car rolls it'll lift the inside footprint to the tyre off hmm. so you'll have a, a sudden let go grip and then as it Jerks like that at the car level, and then you'll get sudden grip again. Yeah. So you'll find cars just going around the corner like a 50 pence piece. Whereas if you watched our heroes like Sterling Moss, they could do a beautifully progressive drift all the way around the corner. Yeah. So if you fit on a 50s and 60s car, if you stick with a 50s or 60s tyre, you'll get a better handling. Um, and you'll get more grip than you did today, because, as you say, the compounds are made with... With cleverer rubber that, that is particularly clever at moving water out of the way. Yeah. So you will get more grip from that. But you know, the the the, the attraction to having a wider, fatter footprint in contact road won't improve the handling of the car. Straight line grip, braking in a straight line, yeah, you'll get more grip. You'll get less wheel spin. Pff, wheel spins are cool, aren't they? <laughs> but handling I've seen corners, you drive. I've it, seen you drive your rolls Royce from just being out. Yeah. It? <laughs> but handling corners <coughs> having the right carcass structure of your tyre for the chassis of the car that you're driving mm. they'll complement each other yeah and and you know so you've got the build quality you've got the better gripping compound but having a classic tyre designed carcass to suit your chassis will will make it a more pleasurable thing to drive because just but you, you,
0: you look at say a classic car from the 60s from the 70s and of course i now class classic cars all the way ringing up to about 2005 on some of them but you look at a car from the 60s and 70s that's put on modern tyres and visually it looks wrong
1: and the tyres you supply are the tyres that look right yeah, they look wrong and they don't drive right either Yeah, they don't drive as well So yeah, and it's got all that design and script all over the sidewall which is You know, it looks—it's just too garish for a classic car. Yeah. You know, sometimes less is the right thing to go for rather than overdoing it. So, I mean, if we were to go and walk around my my shed now, I'd probably show you a tire from a a Rolls Royce Silver Ghost. Mm. Um, So, you know, a a sort of First World War era, pre 1924, they ran a tire called a Beaded Edge. Yeah. Which would run on extremely tall rims, and it'd be a very skinny, rounded tire that's held onto the rim by having lumps of rubber on it, and they sort of fit into the hooky bit of the rim, pump up to 60 psi, and that's how that tyre stays on. So that was until about 1924, and then throughout the rest of the 20s and the 30s, you'd run a normal cross-ply, and they would run, you know, generally speaking, people didn't go down to 60-inch wheels until late 30s. Um, Because that's the other thing, I mean, I have a
0: friend who runs vintage cars, um, occasionally, I say, and I, can, can I say, it runs on long stone tyres. <laughs> of course it does, sir. Well, thank God Uh that. <laughs> uh, Austin Seven runs on what basically are uh, motorcycle sidecar tyres, uh, and the Riley runs, as I said, on the proper. And it's a case of what pressure do you run them at? And the answer is, well, until you can't get any more air in the <laughs> things. And, and that's the interesting thing. Yeah. Pressures didn't seem to.
1: Really exist uh, well, back then. Vintage period for the twenties, things like that. I, I, you know those Austin Sevens. I run mine at thirty psi, and i have do the same with the Riley the thirty psi. But they're tall, skinny tires. So for Austin Seven, until we made our tire, uh, the best tire for that was actually um, Avon made a, a motorbike sidecar tire. So motorbike sidecar tires are different to a motorbike tire. So motorbike tires don't cope with side forces. Yeah. So you go around the corner on a motorbike, you lean, and, the, and, and it's not side force. So a, a sidecar tyre is a very different thing. It's got a bit more carcass structure to it. Yeah. So the sidecar tyre was, was the Austin 7 tyre of choice. Um, and then we went, we went and made some Longstone tyres. We got hold of an original Austin 7 tyre yeah. from a, you know, from one of the enthusiasts. Because we're kind of involved in the scene. We know a lot of people. So we, we got an original Austin 7 tyre and sent that to our manufacturer and said, Make them like that. (laughs) So yeah, that's they're the same tires we make. We you know we've done one for the vintage ones on nineteen inch. Yeah, and that so an Austin Seven for those who don't know, an Austin Seven runs a nineteen inch wheel Mm. uh, with a tire that's three and a half inches wide and three and a half inches tall. Yeah, Uh, and then thirties it went down to seventeen inch wheels and a four four and a quarter inch tire. So in the vintage period, you're running big, tall wheels. Predominantly, you know, nothing much ran. Uh, wheels smaller than 19 inch up until the 30s, and then some went to 18s. Late 30s went into 16 inch wheels, yeah. and then you know nobody progressed with cars throughout the war. It all just kind of stopped. So 40s cars and 50s cars around 16 inch wheels, uh, and then 1964, Pirelli developed a tire called the uh, Cinturato CN72, um, and then all the sort of top mark cars because they they made a, a 205 section tire. Yeah so that was the biggest town that could handle the power of the supercars today, the day um, and until then they were running a 185.16 and then 205.15 is the same damage as 185.16 so all the cars in about 1964 there's a step change when they move down to a 15 inch wheel Yeah, uh, and then things develop along that route and then of course you get to sort of like the late 70s where the rim size starts getting bigger again and the sidewalls uh, drop the sidewall height drops yeah. so you keep this uh, down to the same so there's been a Bit of a turnaround. Because in, in many ways,
0: like you said on 15 inch rims, 16 inch rims, the tires and the shall we say quite deep and chubby sidewalls, form part of the car's suspension in many ways. It was like they, were, they gave this nice soft
1: ride. They still do. And this is one of the misconceptions that's out there. There's a determination to put really tall rims on and really low profile tires. It's affecting the ride of your car. Your car does not give you as comfortable ride that as if you've got another inch of sidewall height on. Yeah. So you buy them on Merck and it probably probably standard equipment. It's probably a 16 inch rim. Um, but these days, of course, they'll they'll offer you some AMG 18, 19 inch rims, 20 inch rims with skinny little low profile tyres on, and then the ride is not as good. Yeah. As if you stuck the standard stuff. It turns out they probably did a bit of testing. Yeah. They probably tested thought Yeah. Rides nicely on that 16 inch wheel. But they'll flog your wheel because it can make a lot of money out of some yeah. wheels. and you know they'll look cool with big wheels. You know, it's a fashion thing. But really, a taller sidewall will give you more comfort. The derogatory effect, and one of the advantages that a lower profile tire will give you, is a bit more directional stability. So, you know, overly tall sidewalls you get a little bit more wandering, but a modern tyre with those wide rims, it's not not a problem. You you are sacrificing comfort yeah. for, for the look. Now the one thing we were talking
0: about, you're we talking about Pirelli's, uh, and that even Ferraris in the Ferrari Museum that run on classic Pirelli tyres have all come wandering through you, haven't they? Well, it's not a bad thing, is it? <laughs> you know, a bit, of, a bit of northern commerce, a bit of Yorkshire. So when you go to, uh, when you go to Maranello and look at the classic Ferraris, all the tyres have all come through Yorkshire.
1: And Alpha, yeah. Uh, we also supply the Lamborghini Museum as well and things like that. So basically, some some considerable years ago, I was chasing Pirelli to, to make their Cinturato. So first radial tyres are Michelin X, uh, and and it just rocked the world about the amount of. Um, it, it, was, it was designed really as much as then, to, to for greater longevity so cross tyres will scrub themselves apart because as you corner on the cross tyre the flex in the sidewall of the tyre continues onto the tread so while it's in contact with the road it sort of scrubs about and wears the tyre and a radial tyre has developed to have a belt wrapped around inside the tread which keeps the tread flat so the flex goes on the sidewall and your footprint stays flat on the road so, the Michelin X came out and did that, but it wasn't progressive. The Michelin X lasted for ages. The grip was phenomenal compared to what you got from a cross supply. but when it, you know, instead of it sort of gradually drifting a little bit, it let, it let it go quite suddenly. So, Pirelli developed the Cinturato, which was, I think it was the second radial tire out. That came out in 1952, um, and that was a radial tire designed for sports cars. So, all of a sudden, Lancia, Alpha, Ferrari, you know Maserati, all the top manufacturers out in Europe, land all went and started putting these Cinturatos on because you've suddenly got that extra grip of a radial, but with a progressive handling that suited the chassis of the cars. You know Aston Martin. If you if you ask David Brown to put a radial on your car, you fits a Cinturato. Yeah, and that you know that's been a it's been a landmark tire. So some considerable time ago now, I was I kept nagging Pirelli. I was trying to get hold of them because I wanted them to, to make this. Particularly the 185 16, which, as we discussed earlier on, was the tyre for sports cars from the 40s throughout the 50s and up to the beginning of the 60s. 250 Ferraris, XK Jaguars, um, dd 4 Aston Martins—they all, they all wanted this radial tyre. Um, so I was contacted, and then all of a sudden, these couple of very smart-looking gentlemen in expensive suits with very fancy haircuts came to see me, and I. Chucked them in my table of the eight saloon, and <laughs> roused them down to that pizza shed down the down in Broughton. we went earlier, and I said, "Right then, boys. Uh, I know what you're doing here, but if you've got your one eight five sixteen Princes ratoes, I said I'll buy a lot of them." Yeah. And they, oh yeah, we've got loads. I bought a lot, and we've continued the deal with Princes since then, and we you know we distribute them all over the world. Yeah. And and you know for that period of car. The Pro Cinturato was the bee's knees, and then the next big landmark in 1964 was bigger bigger 20515, the biggest tyre a sports car could handle. So we got them to make that some about that'd be, that'd be, I don't know, 10 ish years ago, something like that. Uh, and since then, the, re- the range has developed. Um, we've just had the tyres made for the VW Beetle Cabriolet, yeah, the later ones, those they've just made those for us. We've had the Lamborghini Countach rear tyre made, which is just ridiculous. Big. <laughs> <laughs> you need to turn it out before, yeah. it's just silly. You need two of them at all, do <laughs> Because it's a Countach. Yeah. <laughs> we want it all. So they've they've made us a few tyres, and, and, and it's going really well with them. And, and you know, we're, we're distributed all over the world. So if you do go to Ferrari's museum, and you see some Sinteratos on a 250 GT, California spider. Yeah. They've been to Dolly first. They've, and they've come they've, through Yorkshire. No, they they've <laughs> Not through Yorkshire. <laughs> now the whole thing is um, they're currently in. They're being
0: advertised in lots of the magazines. You're now doing classic 4x4 uh, tires.
1: Yeah. So that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, who'd have thought it? If it wasn't that long ago. with you, your will your two door Range Rover mm-hmm. was worth. Ten pencils. Who wanted one of those? Yeah, uh, but I mean, they've always been. You a shut cool the door, there. and the rest of the car fell in bits. <laughs> yeah. they've always been a cool thing, but it, you know, they're becoming interesting again. And you know, Jaguar Land Rover are uh, a uh, moving company now, and they're they're showing some interest in the heritage. So they're looking after these things, and Michelin and, Mitchell and have stepped up to the mark, and they've come out with a, the original Tour 516 X MS. Yeah, um, so we've got a, a suitable tyre, and again, it's down to that thing. The carcass structure suits the car; they they go together. Um, Do you yeah. find that the vehicle will actually off-road better
0: on its proper tyres? Uh,
1: yeah, but I mean, if
0: you were—I mean, know, if you're it, up to your axles in muck and everything yeah. else, really doesn't matter what you've got on <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it. If,
1: if it's going to get stuck, it'll get stuck no matter what tyres it's got on. I mean, in all fairness, it, you would have a tarmac tyre and an off-road tyre, but you know, we're not going to swap tyres in between the two of I mean, so you know, as a as a as a as a road and off road tire, that that Michelin X M S will work as well as it possibly can. They yeah. you know they just they work together well. They're they made to go together. <laughs> so you know it's worthwhile putting a good tire on a car and the right thing for it. So you know having the right tire on the right chassis. Would you put Nora Batty's leggings on Marilyn Monroe? No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now the interesting thing is to return to the tyres for vintage um, I mean you are, you are a racing gentleman uh, Manuel, the entire family seems to race because you achieved something a few weeks ago that's never, that I don't think it has been achieved before you have three generations of one family on the grid at Mallory Park for the same race I don't
1: think it's been, it hasn't been achieved before has it? Uh, I don't think so, no, I, I don't know about that, but I, I don't think so. Not in the Fraser Nash race that we were in for sure, but it, 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 it was a lovely thing to do, and, and so we, we are very much advocates of the of the, of the Vintage Sports Car Club. So the Vinci Sports Club. If you're Club, listening Tanya Brown, there you are, there I told you Tony, you were yeah. get a mention. <laughs> Vinci Sports Car Club was, a, I think it was, it, they held the first post war motorsport event. Uh, I think they were one of the first historic car clubs where they celebrated old vehicles. So you know, without the vintage sports car club, I probably wouldn't have a job because they, they virtually invented old cars. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they, But the, but without the vintage sports car club and without the tire manufacturers that we deal with, you know, these cars wouldn't be on the road. It'd be a piece of history that's forgotten. And the vintage sports car club hosts all been well six race meetings a year um, throughout the country, spread all over the place. They do about six hill climbs. They do about six trials, they do about six rallies, they do about six uh, driving tests. These are spread throughout the year, throughout the country and it offers a brilliant playground for pre-war cars to go enjoy. And they're uh, nearly all on your tires. <laughs> well I hope so, you know. <laughs> I hope so, but, it, but it's it's fantastic. So what, what really is good about this club is it, it keeps those cars alive. People can go and use them and and, 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 that, and as a result they stay current. So. You don't just get to look at a car and see what it looks like, like a museum off you. You get the feel of it. You can drive it, you know, and, and you can hear it and see them in action and see the way they behave on the road. And, it, and there's a little bit more than just the simple history of seeing it the museum, which, you know, which is a fantastic thing. And, and the Vintage Sports Car Club really does a, does a wonderful job of keeping this movement alive of the pre-war cars we enjoy. So I'm a big advocate. So, and the other thing they've done recently which is again fantastic so in in the interest in keeping our history alive um, you know it's very difficult for young lads like my son Wilf to to enjoy a pre-war car or, or do any form of motorsport because it's expensive
0: yeah, I because mean, motor racing is expensive as just, it is. But vintage—I'm not being funny. There's no real such thing now as a cheap vintage car, is there? Uh,
1: well, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the Austin Seven that Will is now seven grand, six grand. Yeah. Um, you know, he's put loads of time in it, and the plan with that is that he—the supposedly known
0: as the penetrator, the
1: penetrator special, yeah. yeah. But the plan is he makes his car, and he's, you know, he comes in and out with oil on his fingernails. He's been fettling in the shed and things like that. But, but the Vintage Sports Car Club offer. Fifty percent race entry for anyone under thirty. Yeah, to encourage people to come out and use our cars, which is great. So, you know, there's this difficulty where you know granddad's got this car and he, he doesn't want to race it anymore because he's getting old a bit, but now he can let his grandson race it. Yeah. And, and they'll get cheap race entries. And vintage racing is probably as cheap as any, particularly for under thirty year olds who get a half price racing. But but it, it, it is cheap because you fix your own car. And that's the big difference. And It's not about just buying the most expensive bits for it. It's the effort and time you put in preparing your car and making it work as efficiently, and also as you can. And being able to
0: drive the thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing that uh, you know these old boys in the club are allowing their grandkids and their sons to race fantastic bits of machinery like that on the track. Yeah, and the vintage sports car club is facilitating that by doing off. All- Half price entry things. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't think you can get much cheaper motorsport. Well, I think one of the there, cheapest forms
0: really. of motorsport is hill climbing because if you do it right, it's actually. I, I was somebody was saying, if you do it right, you can do you can do a hill, full hill climb meeting for about two hundred quid.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you know, it's a treat. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the one thing. Yeah, you won't <laughs> collide with another car, but
0: there's a solid object <laughs> talking about. Yes, <laughs>
1: But it, I mean, it's just—it's just a great organisation, the Vintage Sports Car Club. So you know what, what Longstone Tires did at the Melbourne Park meeting. So under this terrible COVID problem we're having these days, you know, we were, there were concerns about whether you're going to be able to get people there and fill the grids. So uh, Longstone Tires sponsored um, a second race for any under 30-year-old who was already doing the race at the meeting to you know fill the grids up and make sure it all worked. So that. That worked out really well. I think we got about 20 racers out of the 30-year-olds. So yeah. Phil goes up. They all had a great time. It, it was a lovely day. You, know, yeah. you were there. It was fantastic. As, as I said, it's
0: one of the best organised days racing I've had the pleasure of attending. It, was, yeah. it ran like clockwork.
1: Well, we'll get on with it. We're all, we're all mates. So, you know, social-wise, the Vintage Sports Car Club is a good tight-knit community. Yeah. We all look after each other. I, I've turned up at a race meeting before now, fitting tyres, and I've had some... Young lads come up with this knackered old Riley that they've you know, got off the ground and they've struggled to get it on the road. And you know, this is a good few years ago, it wasn't worth a great deal of dosh. And they've done it on, you know, on a shoestring. Uh, and they turned up to me out to have some tyres fitted and, and the wheels were knackered. they got, they got <laughs> really badly loose spokes in one of the wheels. I, I don't think they understood. So no there's, no meant words, fo- there's meant to be more than four like, spokes in these, yeah, lads. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> no there they were with this 10 grand Riley. And there's this bloke over the other side of the paddock who I happen to know that a, an 8C Alpha, no, it was a 6C Alpha Romeo, yeah. probably worth a million quid, yeah. fits about the same wheels as this rider these lads were racing. Yeah. So I went and spoke to the guy with the Alpha and said, Can I borrow your wheel? <laughs> <laughs> so these lads can go racing, no problem, yeah, no problem. And off it went, so yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's just the way the club works, you know, your car breaks in the paddock. You'll be snowed under with people trying to help you. Yeah. We all want to get out of the track and go racing. It's it's a fantastic community. Yeah. And that's
0: the one thing, interesting thing is, I conclude that, say, I raced whatever, an Austin 7 or a Fraser Nash, the tyres that I would drive it on the road with are the same tyres that I would race it
1: with. Uh, yeah. 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 Vintage stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dunlop, Dunlop makes some vintage racing tyres, but they're, they're all road legal. Yeah. Road legal. And if you want to go racing, industry car don't race the tires the best but you know, well, the interesting thing is i
0: mean mallory it, it became a little bit damp only fractionally but it's fascinating watching these cars because given the, the the narrowness of the tires they all drift round corners and they all need a quick touch of shall we say opposite lock, just to bring them back nicely um how do the tires i mean i conclude the technology back then and now allows these tires to be driven this way without excessive wear on them you know for want of a better term i know as soon as you start opposite locking a car anywhere or anything like that you will cause wear and racing will cause wear but i conclude these tires are so designed and constructed that they just last no they don't they
1: wear out Got to pick a pocket or 2 have don't you? Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they, they do wear. Try harder, but yeah. they still tread on man. <laughs> but it, you know, it, you know, drifting a car does wear your tyres. Yeah. But it's just so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to watch modern racing yeah. where it's are driving on Where's the fun in that? Yeah. We want to see a car that's moving underneath you. Yeah. We want to see people doing a bit of a skid and having a bit of a drift. Well,
0: the other thing is when you watch it, it is actually called car control, and to my mind driving a vintage car fast. It's like a friend of mine used to say, the best way to teach a youngster to drive a car is to buy him a Morris minor and put it on crossplies and
1: take him out when it's raining because he will learn how to control that car. Well, when I, when I first started driving, my dad took me out in the snow yeah. and I remember driving drive around this big yard and he used to just pull the handbrake on every now and again yeah. just <laughs> to get me used to what was, what was happening. An element of sort of out-of-control control, if you see what I mean. Yeah. But, but drifting and skids are cool. And, you know, part of the joy of driving a vintage car is they drift. They do drift. It's particularly mine. Yeah. So, you know, Fraser Nash, you know, there's all these sort of sissy differential things. Well, which nash nice is it, yours? Mine's Piglet. Mine's called Piglet. It's a special. Right. So it's made of some GM bits, some Fraser Nash bits, and then a whopping big Ford tractor hot rod engine. <laughs> weighs 650 kilograms it pumps out 120 brake horsepower yeah 150 foot power torque and it, it hasn't got a, drip, a diff and it runs on what they call 450 19 so the tire section is four and a half inches wide but the footprint's probably in about four inches across. yeah so it always drifts but because it always drifts you can predict it yeah and drive around it and it's progressive doesn't suddenly let go it gently drifts um, in a progressive way. So, uh, uh, you know, from being a kid, going to watch race meetings, you wanted to watch ERAs, Bugattis, those massive Bentleys with enormous engines in them, and and Fraser Nash's, because they did the best skids.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, besides the Fraser Nash, I mean, we've got to talk about, just before we go, a couple of your cars. I mean, you have some interesting mortis. Uh, So besides the Fraser Nash and uh, the Penetrator, the Austin 7, uh, you've a Ford Model A, have you not?
1: Uh, Two. Two? Yeah. Right. So trials cars. The the manky one out there that you saw with a naked lady on the front was two and a half grand. Yeah. (laughs) Get in. (laughs) Uh, And that was my everyday car for a while. I used to leave that parked on the street outside my house and drive it to work and back. It's a manky old banger, uh, but, you know, it's an old car. Yeah. Uh, I just... I just used it it was alive so it just alive and kept being used I did uh, all of the SCC trials in it um, and I drove to and from the event doesn't go on the trails <clears> and <throat> uh, I did the MCC lands end trial which is a thousand miles in a weekend for us Yeah, uh, doing trails hills throughout the night uh, so, I reckon I was doing, you know, coming off for 10,000 miles a year in that car yeah. like, on a regular basis. What year is it? 1928. Right. Uh, open top. Got a bit cold in winter, but you know. <laughs> Did a bit of breaking down, but you didn't get And then, and then, uh, then I, you know, I used to be happy, and then, you know, I ruined my life by having kids. <laughs> and, uh, so, if you want to go traveling with kids, you've got to run a car with a roof on it. Yeah. So, I uh, bought the Model A Ford saloon that we yeah. traveled as well. Uh, not a lot of money, bought it from Holland, they were, yeah. were cheapest chips. They've gone up now, but, uh, <laughs> but when I bought them, they weren't a great deal of dosh. And I guess, because um, I do what I do, <clears> well, I've, I've got my finger on the pulse, Yeah. and uh, i got an right for a bargain, so I did all right back there. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Sat outside in the car park, there's a long-wheelbase
0: daily limousine, because apparently if you want to take the kids on holiday, it's the cheapest way in, it's far nicer than an SUV.
1: Six doors... Eight seats, tow bar, V8, uh, no straight six. And it's got soggy roof lining because of all the moisture from the widow's tears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went
0: out for lunch today in something, in a car I've, I've seen the cars, I've been in them, I've driven them. You have a rather nice Rolls Royce Silver Shadow in black that has. Um, because it's a Rolls Royce, we have to describe it as red velvet interior. That's yes, right. Yes. Uh, most of us would say it's red. It's red railing, But uh,
1: I—that is an incredibly unusual car, isn't it? It's a lovely thing. I mean, you know, those Silver Shadows. It's a Series One, but a Rolls Royce Silver Shadow. You get a lot of nuts and bolts for your money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're a fantastic, beautifully made piece of kit, um, and they're just a lovely pleasure to drive. I—I I still can't believe how much I like it. I bought it thinking I'd have it for a while and flog it on and just have some fun in it for a bit and yeah. move on to something else but but actually here I am all these years later my wife won't let me sell it because she says it's bouchica wow wow <laughs> is <in> a <the> technical <laughs> term so you know and we just
0: love they're them. just being comfortable and powerful so, so, i mean they're not what you call frugal by any means but no. uh, they are big and comfy. And as i said when we were driving back from lunch if you don't get a kick out of seeing the uh, spirit of ecstasy uh eleanor thornton up front yes. there's something
1: there's something not right with you there's another thing so so before i bought that i had what they call a bond mini car which is a daft three-wheeler silly little thing not the, not the um, bomb Bug, yeah. not the Wedgie one, before that, and they got this arrowing casting on the bulkhead with one wheel on the front, and it got a motorbike engine and gearbox mounted on the front of the wheel, uh, because in those days, you didn't have to have a driving licence if you had a car that didn't have a reverse gear. Yeah, you would class as a motorbike. That's right, so 16-year-olds could have a car. And Terry reverse this. used to open Bonnet and turn the job lock on. No, you just, and, yeah. you just it. Turn the steering wheel, it'll turn through 90 degrees, turn it yeah. on your own length. You can open the Bonnet and kickstart it. Yeah, Little it. Villiers you know, engine, open the Bonnet, yeah. kickstart the engine. Very cool thing. <laughs> I loved it. And I, I flogged that and I thought, what are you going to do after you've sold a Bond mini car? Rolls-Royce. I was by Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce, Rolls-Royce. quite an obvious thing to do. Yeah, I had to go, um, had to go and have a meeting with Pirelli in, in, in Milan, and I thought, well, you know, I've got to go and see... You didn't take, you so
0: you, went, you didn't go in a mini car, did you? No, oh, I didn't I go in a mini minicar. No,
1: I put all three kids in the in the back seat of the Roller, and we drove it down to Milan. Yeah. And uh, it was fantastic. Did 110 mile an hour on an auto bar. Yeah. Great fun. What, a, what an age trip. It was a lovely thing to do. <laughs> so the Rolls, came you know, it's part of family now, and... I don't think I've lost any money on it. I think, you know, the money I've spent on keeping it serviced service over the years, I think it's probably gone up by that much in, va- in value. Yeah. But I don't look at it like that. I look at it as a lovely old thing to drive around with. And so I bought a modern car and I lost thousands of that in, in depreciation. You got bored of it very quickly. And my roller is actually greener than buying a modern car because I'm recycling. So the emissions given out manufacturing a car... <sighs> are enormous and people don't consider that when they're talking about the efficiency of a modern car. So, you know, the batteries that they're using to make these things in,
0: they're dreadful. The
1: chemicals in there are awful. Yeah, It's not fully dealt with. All the stuff that you're not supposed to make in the EU, well, just buy it from a different country. Yeah, where you don't have the same regulations. Yeah, granted, you know, the, the, the problems with cars, emissions, is really when you're in a city and you're there smoking away. in in a highly populated area and the the production and manufacturing cars done out of cities and things like that but it you know there is something to be said for recycling a car having it fixed by a small sole trade businessman who's running a shed out you know running a garage himself rather than buying a brand spanking new car giving the money to some big organisation where all the cash leaves our economy Recycle a car in the UK and have it serviced by, you know, an Englishman in an English carriage and, and, and keep the money cycling around our own economy and keep things going on. Just the way it Every time somebody buys a modern electric car, a panda dies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and on that note, Google call it. It's been an absolute delight and a pleasure. It's been an excellent lunch. We've been out in a st- um, very, very unusual Rolls Royce. If somebody wants to get in touch with it, is it just long stone tyres? Give it, give it to
1: Google and up you'll pop. That's the plan, Yeah, <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> and what did Jim tell us to mention? As he said mention the Glow Company. The, the Glow Company, company yes. Yeah, we yeah, have, exactly. something. Yeah. have to mention
0: the Glow Company. Don't know what it is, because now does rude show But once again, Google call it. Thanks so much for joining me on the Backseat Driver Radio Show. It's been an absolute delight and a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you very much.